welcome to Truth and Reconciliation with Buki Shonuga. This program is inspired by the brutal murder of George Floyd and is rooted on the premise that without candid and uncomfortable conversations on systemic racism in America, we cannot begin the process of healing and resolve. The show also presents the African diaspora perspective on the transatlantic slave trade and institutional racism in America. Today's episode, Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama, Can Powerhouse Black Women Redeem America? My guest is Gloria Dolan Wilson, a journalist, blogger, activist, public speaker, New Yorker, Philadelphian. Gloria grew up in Oklahoma City, all black community. She was among the first youth to help black people vote for the very first time after President Johnson passed the Voters' Rights Act of 1964. She's a proud Lincoln University Emerita, Emerita class of 1967, also the alma mater of Azikwe and Nkrumah, of which she frequently brags. She started her career as a broadcast journalist. She was a feature writer for several black publications, including the Daily Challenge News, New York Beacon, Our Times Press, The African Sun Times. Gloria is a scholar rooted in the principles and teachings of Marcus Garvey, W.E. Du Bois, Carter G. Woodson, Dick Gregory, Shirley Chisholm, Ida B. Wells Barnett, and more sage legendaries. Gloria, welcome to the show. Hey, Bookie, thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, a while. We, we, we have known each other for uh, several decades, right? <laughs> How about 30? <laughs> Come on, just tell the truth. I, I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> And then always, uh, for me, everything is uh, BC before children, right? Right, right. I know. <laughs> right. So, so welcome. So we live in such unprecedented times on, on, on many levels. Uh, first with, you know, COVID-19 and mm-hmm. things unfolding. I mean, with, uh, with the massacre of George Floyd. Right. Right into that, in the eye of that COVID. Right. Now the election is upon us. And today we're speaking on Kamala Harris' uh, nomination for vice president uh, with, uh, on, 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 what's his name, uh, Joe Biden's ticket. Yes. And also Michelle Obama's, you know, powerhouse speech last night that just blew the, you know, roof of the, of the ceiling, right? I, I love her. Right. I love her. <laughs> so, so, and you, I'm so, you know, Really grateful that you're able to join me this afternoon because you are also a powerhouse and your wealth of knowledge is incredible. And I'm glad that you're able to join me to really, you know, share some light on some of these developments and, and we will be talking much further at the time. There's so much to talk about. Exactly. Now, I, I want to start with, um, not just in my view, I mean, Joe Biden's election was actually hitting, you know, a gridlock mm-hmm. until... Representative uh, Jim uh, Clyburn kick, kick, kick-started it, right? He was the one yeah. that got it back on track. Mm-hmm. And right there, that speaks to Black people's power that we don't seem to leverage at all, or let alone leverage enough. So if, if it were not to be Jim Clyburn, sort of like setting things back on track, I don't mm-hmm. know where, uh, you know, uh, Biden's election would be right now. Then but fast forward. I also know for sure, not just me sharing, you know, this is not just my view, that if George Floyd massacre had not occurred, Pamela, Kamala Harris would not have been the nominee for vice presidency. Do you agree with me or not? Not necessarily, but who would you think would be if it wasn't Kamala? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not even saying that Kamala, you know, is not the right pick. That's not my... my uh, no, I, I, mean, think, I think all the protests that, that happened... Mm-hmm. You know, especially because of George Floyd, because of George Floyd, because there were there were no protests, you know, for COVID. Mm-hmm. Everybody was shut down. Mm-hmm. But when George Floyd was murdered, people mm-hmm. took to the streets across the world. Every yeah. person. To, so I'm saying that mm-hmm. that was a catalyst for yes, Kamala right. Harris's uh, nomination. Is what I, that that's the case I'm making. Exactly. Right. That put the pressure on this on on the Democratic Party on Biden. To uh, to uh, um, I mean, select Kamala Harris. I mean, that's just my view that other people share as well. So you can weigh in on that. No, you know, I I hear exactly what you're saying, and I know where you're coming from, and I agree. 
that under these particular circumstances that it did put her in a different light. Because I actually, I, I, I like Kamala Harris. I met her in 2017 after when she started. Or was it 2018? Ooh, God, time flies. Right. <laughs> 2018, when she first came into the Senate, um, and she was surrounded by everybody because that was after she had uh, taken a few of the Republican uh, uh, senators to task on who they were and, 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 and their double standards. So I was already impressed with her, and every, she came in like a little rock star. Right. But I think the agreement was always that Biden was supposed to select a woman and then preferably an African-American woman. And I think what happened is it did get down to between Kamala Harris and Susan Rice. Right. But you're right. This was the catalyst that made that the critical difference in terms of understanding what was happening with the distorted version of law and order that this country has. Right. And having somebody that had some background knowledge that could actually advise and do some things to make that change she definitely was the right choice for that and, and i want to underscore that i also love kamala harris and i think she's charismatic she's overqualified she's definitely you know how do i put it she has the energy the spunk when you when mm -hmm. you see why her energy is infectious so there's no mm -hmm. doubt that she's the right candidate and mm -hmm. i also know you know you and i having work with you know as independent journalists united nations and all that big we, we know susan rice and we've come across yes. her a few times in the past exactly. so when i over the years i you know i follow her career and i definitely also was hoping that she she would be the candidate and on on that note the the thinking why we think she wasn't selected this might be one of them this might be not that mm -hmm. whole issue with benghazi right they would have dragged Hillary Clinton back into the, you know, into the field as if she was running. Oh, exactly. You know, That's true. And when all the, all the shenanigans, I mean, went, you know, go into all the shenanigans again, and that would have never, I, I'm thinking that. It would have been a distraction. You're right. It would have totally distraction. And, totally. you know, this president would have, that would have been a gift to him. He would have had a field day. You're exactly right about that. It, despite all of his transgressions. Right. And all of his egregious idiocy. He still would have been able to manipulate the heck out of that one. So, he would yeah. have, he would have, they would have set us on a, on, on a, you know, on another path yes. if she had been the nominee. And I'm not saying, because I don't have any inside information, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that was the reason Susan Rice was not picked, but I was just saying that Susan Rice is a contender. Well, they were back and neck from my understanding. Right. She, she, she was a strong contender. Right. So Kamala Harris, absolutely. I mean, um, a black female, an immigrant. And you know, and then again, no, no, wait, 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 now, now we're gonna stop this. Let me say this now because the, I, I'm, 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 you know, Bookie, you and I have been, been together for ages, for ages. Right. She's not an immigrant. Her parents were. She was born right. here. Okay. She was born here in 1964. She's a Libra, born on October 20th. Now, what they try to do is shape it to look as if she's not, but she was born right here. Right. And thank so, you, thank you so much, uh, uh, Gloria. For I mean, for I mean, I wasn't. I mean, it was It was a mistake. I didn't finish that part yet. She was not an immigrant. We're talking about Kamala Harris, yes. the VP, Vice President, uh, you know, candidate or, or nominee by Joe Biden. She mm -hmm. is not an immigrant. Her parents are immigrants. She was born here, right? Right. So her father is from Jamaica. Her mom mm -hmm. is from India. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely an American born here. And we, we know where this devil president was going with yes. that birthright, you know, nonsense. There and used to be a law in this country that if the child was born on American soil, the child is a United States citizen. Right. Isn't it still so? Well, not since T. Rump got in there. No. He's the one messing with stuff. And that's why the whole thing. The, I'm not going to go there. You're right. I think the birthright is still, in other words, I, I, for all I know, I mean... I, well, I, I think that he's trying. If he's he trying to, done, yeah, he to, really to, to deny people the citizenship, you know, based on that birthright. I don't think yes. he's, 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 he's not succeeded. But that's why they keep floating that thing about the immigrants. Right. And even with that, the parents were here in school. And, and I, I thought about it as very romantic. East Indian meets West Indian. That must have been something. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds romantic. Yeah, but but on a serious note, I mean, rightly so, 
And uh, her nomination to me uh, sort of kicks us into the future that I, I envision a black female president of the United States. What do you, what do you say through, to that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a member of the sorority who had the first black woman run for president, Shirley Chisholm. I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. That's right. Um, and she should have gotten a lot more support than she got. She certainly was a lot better than some of the contemporary presidents that were there at her time. Without a doubt. And, and, and then, of course, there have been several of us right here and right now who are damn sight better than whoever is in the office at the present time. So I can definitely see that being a possibility in the future. If America wakes up and learns its lesson from being as lax as they were in allowing this man to even be in office to begin with. Right, and I and I and I definitely agree with you on that. Now, talk about Kamala Harris. Uh, do you, can we get into maybe some of her background? One one of the pushbacks, you know, as you're aware, it's a record on uh, criminal justice in you know, I guess in California. Well, do you yeah. have, mm-hmm. Criminals have, don't like criminal justice people. But you know, but it's an, it's a new day in America. I mean, mm-hmm. things are moving so fast. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable that we've only been locked down for, we've been on the lockdown for six months now. Well, no, it's about eight months. But look at how much has transpired in eight months, right? Well, you know, even, t- I'm, I'm going to take it just a little bit more spiritually. It, I, I f- kind of figured it out after, after about my fifth week of sitting up here, can't go nowhere. Right. God's trying to tell us something. Right. <laughs> here we are, all of a sudden, nobody can touch anybody. No one can go to school. No one can go to work. No one can do this. Everything is shut down. New York is under siege. Something's wrong here. If this is all happening at the same time across the board and all the nations simultaneously, Bookie, that's a big message right there. And so I started looking at, see, this is what happens when you allow evil to get into and stay in a legitimate situation. And this is what we did in America. We allowed that Turkey to, we knew that he cheated. We knew that the Russians helped him distort the election. We knew that he had bought some people off in the electoral college. We knew that he was messing with children and breaking up families. And we sat up here and the only thing we could do was watch the comedy pundits talk about how bad he was. We sit up and talk about how bad he was, but we didn't do anything. So Guess what? A higher power came in and said, all right, we're shutting it all down. Right. I, and this is where we are. And the bottom line is, did we learn anything or are we going to keep being stuck on stupid? The thing is, that how, how did we even get here in the first place, right? To have these person that's not, I mean, it's very clear to us that, well, we know this, you know, for a long time that people that, people that are qualified don't necessarily get a job, right? Oh, no, that's the method. He doesn't, hire, he doesn't hire anybody that's got any kind of decent qualifications because then they can't challenge him. Right. But, but the irony, though, Gloria, is that it is amazing that this is America, democracy in America at, at, the, at this juncture. If these were happening in Africa or any other country mm-hmm. that they call, you know, developing country, um, this president will still not be in office, right? I don't think, if this had happened in Africa, the same American government, the hypocrisy, they would help African government topple the government of Donald Trump. Am I right? They would have invaded the country. And they would have invaded, they would have conspired, they would have done whatever they needed to do to topple the government of that country. And they continue to interfere in other countries' democracy. But here we are, that America is supposed to lay the example, but we sat here, Americans sat here for four years. How did this guy even last there four years? That was the other thing for me. I'm like, what if you, not Bookie, if it was a soccer match, a baseball game, or a football game, right. and somebody pulled an illegal play, they would probably be booted out. Right. How is it that they take that more seriously than they take the politics and the person who is supposed to be running the world's most, and I'm putting it in quotes, powerful, unquote, nation. Right. That's because it's collusion. Because between him and Putin, you know who I'm talking about, Putin. Yeah. And McConnell, 
and Graham and the entire corrupt Republican Party, they have made a deal with this devil. Made a deal with the devil. Power. Yes. That's what this is. When you figure, didn't didn't uh, McConnell say, I've got 465 bills on my desk and I'm not signing one of them? This is exactly what this is. They are making a power grab. They're making it over the necks of the American public. They do not care. You can say the most horrible things about the man, which would all be true, by the way. They're not going to, they're going to continue to back him because it serves their purpose and it lines their pockets. Right. And here we are. Didn't he say, you know, that, that if you were walking down Fifth Avenue and shot someone, <laughs> yeah, if you shot somebody in in broad daylight, that nothing would happen. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't arrest him or something like that. And, 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 you know, I mean, audacity. The the shock value, and this is the thing. Reasonable people, which is what most Americans consider themselves, reasonable people cannot deal with something that's irre- unreasonable and stupid and bold like this. They don't know how to handle it. Right. So they look at it, and at first they wanted to say, "Oh, he's just like a spoiled child." Hell to the no. Right. There's no spoiled child that would, should be, when you be allowed to get away with country that. On the planet. This is not your family business that you've defrauded, you. you know, misrepresented your wealth for so many years. It's, so it's amazing that, yeah, well, in the name of democracy, Americans just like they're waiting. They, they couldn't, there was nothing they could do for four years. And, you know, it's just, it's just so amazing that it lasted four years. And he also is recently talking about, oh, if he loses this election, it's because he's been rigged. It's already setting us up. <laughs> to how he's not going to leave office, right? How is he predicting that he's going to lose this, you know, this election? Then tampering with the with the uh, uh, U.S. mail. That should be. Isn't should that be a criminal offense? It's a criminal offense. It's a criminal offense, and it's also a criminal offense to hire somebody to deliberately dismantle the United States Postal Service. It's a federal offense. Well, and so I have no. I'm just. Let me just say this to you. Yes, my mom. My brother, my sister-in-law, and two uncles worked for the United States Postal Service and have for years. My mother was there for 37 years. My brother is still there. My sister-in-law is still there. My uncle is no longer on this planet. I'm looking at this madness and saying, you know, if anybody had ever got caught going in your mailbox and taking something that had your name on it that did not, not belong to you, they could actually come with the police and arrest you. This is a federal offense. I have not, by the way, just so you'll know personally, I haven't received any mail for two months. And when I called them, instead of them telling me what was going on, we're going to investigate it. This is a confirmation number. Let us know there might be a problem with a delivery person. They knew all along that this is what was going on. Wow. This is really disgusting and despicable. And what's despicable about it is when you take that oath of office in the United States, as the president of the United States, you vow to protect and serve to the best of your ability right. against enemies, foreign and domestic. Yes. That's not what's happened. I, I Absolutely. So getting back to our topic today, Kamala Harris <laughs> and Michelle Obama, can powerhouse black women redeem America? Uh, that's what we're here. Let me just share with you uh, an article that was uh, published uh, I, can't, I don't know what the publication is, but I, I don't remember. But the title was Why Are Black Women So Excited About Kamala Harris as Biden's VP Pick? Um, the author is uh, L, first name is letter L, last name is Burrell, B U R R E L L. And this is some of the things she listed. This pick represents years of struggle. This is for every black girl and woman who has ever been told that she cannot do something. It's for every black woman who has diminished themselves in hope of not being viewed as an angry black woman. This speak is for every black girl or woman who has remained quiet in the hope of not offending others or making others feel uncomfortable, who has diminished herself to allow others to remain bigger. This is for every black woman that has been labeled, judged, or misunderstood. What what do you say to that? And and in addition, you remember how they were characterizing Michelle Obama when she was the first lady? Mm-hmm. 
So some of this fits right into that, where, you know, angry black women speaking truth to power. You know, it's just, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge. You grew up, I mean, you're so dated. <laughs> you, you grew up in the 50s and 60s. You, who best to, you know, to have this conversation with me? What is I never had that problem. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I never had that problem, but that's because I grew no, up. No, in I'm America. saying that in terms of what this. But I know where they're coming from. I understand what this is about. Right. And I'm going to tell you something else. When I was coming through in the 60s and in college, we were the beginning of black power. Right. We started the whole black power movement. When I say we, I mean the collective we. I'm not talking about me individually. Right. I'm talking about we as black people at that generation. And we came in black is beautiful. We had black power. We started black businesses. We did black movies. Even if they were black exploitation movies, they were our Yes. Movies. We started buying our own homes and things like that. Somewhere in their bookie between, I would say, the late 70s and the mid 80s, somewhere in there, we lost all that. We started falling into the main, mainstream and trying to be like them. Okay. What, where, what happened is something that I'm still trying to figure out. My kids were not raised like that. I was not raised like that. Even in Oklahoma, I was not raised like that. But I now hear this more and more and more. And I know that in the South, it was a major issue. The, the light rights, the mid, you know, all the different color issues that we have about each other because we were raped by somebody white. So our skin tone and our gene pool got all screwed up as a result of that. So, you know, if you were light, you were supposed to be better than somebody who was dark because that's how you were that was you were beaten into believing that but when what i think we're hearing now is more what we were saying to ourselves about ourselves and anything anybody else was saying and that's what's tragic to me okay because our interaction primarily in terms of the mainstream community was still not as prevalent i mean some of the kids got bust like kamala mm -hmm. to these schools my brother got bust by the way uh, to a white school trying to integrate, you know, we had a perfectly good black school in our community. Right. Um, but all of these things that I'm hearing now is also because we as parents and as teachers, African-American parents and teachers and ministers did not do our duty to keep our kids loving themselves. So our standards still tend to be toward whatever it is that white people do or don't do, say or don't say about us is what offends us. And me, I could give two you-know-whats. Right. And that's where that whole thing is. My thing is this. Kamala Harris is for all of us, yes, and I understand the validation, and I understood the validation when, when Obama became president. But bottom line is I have always known, and you know me, Bookie, for a long time, Right. I've always known that we're better than any of this madness. Right. So I'm, my, my aspiration has never been toward anything that they had, but I still understand where, this, where, that, where that statement comes from. Yeah, and that's what, you know, that's what you're testifying to right now, the period in which you grew up and how you were raised and the power mm -hmm. that, that uh, um, what is the equal, what is the, the I'm trying to, to remember. Separate but equal. Separate but equal, right? That's what you're saying. Thank God for separate but equal. Right. For, for segregation. Right. And, and, and that's diminished over the years, you know. And yeah. that's well, how we, 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 we diminished it because we wanted to integrate instead of, and what we needed to do, <sighs> we got put in a trick bag because we thought integration meant equality. My daddy used to tell me, you don't want to be equal to the kind of people these people are. And I did not understand that when I was a kid. It took me growing up and being around them to know what dad meant. Well, right. And, and it was, we would, you know, the, the, the idea is equal economically, not equal. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So how you were raised is, you know, it, it's not the way things are now. I mean, and mm -hmm. you know what I, what I've actually said, I spoke with a mutual friend earlier today, you know, who I, I had an, you know, epiphany while I was, you know, getting ready to do the show with you. And I said mm -hmm. to myself, if Gloria had been, um, uh, uh, let me, European-American, if you will. I mean, let me, let me finish. If Gloria were to be a European-American, 
having all the resources that are available to white people, mm -hmm. you will have one of the best top media company right now. And I will be working with you or being partner with you. We'd probably be partners. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> just saying that because the resources are not there in our community mm -hmm. to do the things that we need to do. I mean, we have the talent like every, you know, like everyone else. It's nothing to do with color. It has to do with the construct of race. I mm -hmm. mean, it's nothing to do with, yeah. So if we had those resources that everyone else, that the white community has, and they have their whatever family, they have everybody looking out for them, you and I will be heading one of the top media companies. I mean, mm -hmm. without a doubt. For all the years that you've been in the business, uh, uh, me meeting you decades ago, and you know, connecting with you as a sister, understanding that it's not about race; it's about what we share. It's about the the the, the love, the cultural, you know, heritage, and all of mm -hmm. that. So it's not that race is a construct. So yeah, here we are with Kamala Harris. You know, Kamala Harris. I tend mm -hmm. to call her Pamela. Kamala Harris. Uh, that people are now looking. So people are now looking to, you know, people like Kamala Harris or any other public figure to identify with. Because as we're saying, there's been a total erosion of that, your self-worth that you got from your home or from your family, from your community. They look now, they're looking up to, uh, uh, and rightly so. I'm definitely not, you know, diminishing the power of people like Kamala Harris, Susan Rice, Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey. Absolutely so. But I'm mm -hmm. just saying that the system, though, continues to rob black people, that's not news, of our worth. Mm -hmm. So that that's why you know people tend to look up to one or the other person. There's now reason as a public figure, so there's no equal anything in the system. Uh, we can on many levels. We can talk about segregation, right? Public school True. segregation and the quality of education. Mm -hmm. We can talk about housing segregation, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, me being a, a Nigerian immigrant and didn't understand what the landscape is when I arrived here, running into people like you, you have taught me a lot because some of us came from Africa where we had no knowledge of slavery. Yeah. Or at least maybe we had it on an intellectual, in an intellectual context, but we've never lived in it to see how it really plays out. So, you had colonialism though. Excuse me? You had colonialism. Yeah, but I wasn't born in that era and, and my parents did not pass anything on to me or my grandparents to, to pass on any knowledge of how Colonial, that I, again, picked up in textbooks, right? So really? The point, the point is that when I arrived here, when it is to people like you that taught me how to really decode some of the racist, you know, codes or, or language mm -hmm. or whatnot to, to let me understand what's going on. So, and, and then to also understand, also being a parent, that when there's housing segregation, you know, that goes way back. You can speak more to them than I could ever do. Mm -hmm. And then the, the um, public education segregation, all of these is to divide and rule. Sure. And it continues to create these parallel lines of, of uh, separate but not equal, right? That's all done True. intentionally. But and that explains, yeah. We had... And, 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 and it was a big, a major anniversary that was passed this past August that a lot of people probably didn't even pay as much attention to as they should have. It's the anniversary of Marcus Garvey getting black people galvanized right. to go back to Africa. Right. And the fact that he got black people to start their own businesses, right. to start working together, educating each other, buying and building their own homes, cleaning up their own community. He came in from Jamaica. Okay, he came here from Jamaica. He came here because he had heard about Booker T. Washington, who started Tuskegee Institute. He was very impressed with this black man who was a former slave who started a college for black people. He happened to have gone to Hampton, which was the school that I got kicked out of for being too militant. But he used to scrub the steps of the dormitory that I lived in in order to be able to get his education, and then he took what he learned and built a school. What we're doing now is really tragic because we got knowledge like you would not believe, but we're not applying it to ourselves. We can do all this. Well, you got Carter G. Woodson. Carter G. Woodson wrote this book a hundred years ago. But in twenty in twenty twenty three, it'll be a hundred years since he wrote the Miseducation of the Negro. Of Negro, I remember. And guess what? 
to this day, except for the schools that I went to in Oklahoma, I don't know any schools that teach their kids using the principles that he taught. How how did that happen? Because we're brainwashing. We're still trying to emulate, imitate, and impress our oppressors. And I totally get that. Thank you for that background. But but how can we do these? We can do it. It's just a simple paradigm. I'm not saying that we're not able to. You know me. I mean, I know. I'm one of those people. I'm an entrepreneur on many levels, right? Yeah, I know. Always trying one thing or the other. You know. So I don't. So, but the point is, how can we do these successfully without the resources that are necessary? This is why I'm a strong proponent of of reparations. How can we do these? We have the knowledge, without a doubt. We have the ability, we have the where you know wherewithal. So how come, how 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 come we have not been able to do this successfully up until this point? Because we did not have the inner. No, money got a damn thing to do with it. If that was the case, do you know how many people Marcus Garvey rallied? How many black people Marcus Garvey had following him, who were getting ready to move back to Africa until Jay Edgar Hoover framed? So what happened? 12 million people, 12 million black people nationwide were getting ready to move back to Africa. And J. Edgar Hoover tried to frame him with mail fraud, claimed that he was mail fraud because people were mailing money to him to help buy the ships that were going to take black people back to Africa. He bought the ships. But what he did was he bought the ships from racist white people who made sure the ships were not seaworthy. So then, you know how they do. You know how they do. Oh, is it that? Is it Therefore, you bought a bad ship. You did it on purpose. You took these people's money like like anybody white back in 1920 really cared about what black people did with their money. But this was how they were stopping him because the Brits and America were scared to death that African-Americans were going to move back to Africa and Africans and African-Americans were going to begin to start their own businesses and build an empire in Africa that would kick all their behinds out. Yeah, Gloria, this is Truth and Reconciliation with uh, Buki Shonaga. My guest is my dear friend, um, seasoned veteran journalist, activist, Gloria Julian Wilson. We'll be right back. The background music for this program is composed and produced by Femi Shinoga Fleming. You can find more of his music under the name Sad Noise and on iTunes, Apple Music, Bandcamp and Spotify. Welcome back to Truth and Reconciliation with Buki Shunaga. I'm continuing my conversation with uh, Gloria Jolan Wilson. Uh, Gloria, so we, we left off talking about how how did we get here? Uh, that but then, right. You got a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because you got half the white people claiming that we don't want to do anything, but the other half are scared when we do do something. Right, but... The, that's either here not there. We are at a new beginning now, a new juncture. Yep. So it doesn't take money, it takes mentality. Then the money will come. It's if listen, if we can put together crowdfundings to do all kinds of other weird stuff, we can do crowdfundings to do educational programs for our kids. We can but, do crowdfundings to do anything but, we want to. I was I was an account executive for the Black United Fund of New York. We raised almost $111 million a year to help build and renovate properties and homes and educate people in New York. Through people donating $1.50 up to $5 per paycheck per week. And I understand, I understand that where you're coming from with that, but I, I think that, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we are in this system where a lot is owed to black people in this country. Mm-hmm. Continually, you look at the criminal justice system, you look at the, again, segregation in housing, you look at segregation in, uh, um, in public school system, you look at how COVID has disproportionately affected people, brown black people, you know, uh, brown mm-hmm. black people, 
because of segregation in housing and healthcare and everything. So talking about coming up with money, you know, to, to start, that's not, I, I hear you, but that's not where we are in my view. Where we are is that there has to be equity in the system. It has to start like yesterday. Yep. And it starts with when you separate kids into public school system, in a, into certain zip codes, that is criminal. That should be criminal. You separate them into housing. So it means that when you have a particular zip code where the only black, well, if the only black people living in those communities, they're only, the, the school will all, only be attended by black people. Everything is de- designed to segregate, to, to, to create this class or caste system. As, uh, what's the name? What I'm reading now, Isabel Wilkerson. And I will quote some of the passages from a powerful book, Cast, The Origin mm-hmm. of Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson. So this is this, this divine, again, not, this not divide and rule. This is, this is oppression. It's criminal. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, we what, that's where we are now. Well, God judged Floyd to that concrete. It's not just his, his physical being being on, in that place at that time. It mm-hmm. is the systemic racism and psychological oppression mm-hmm. that brought him to that place. What I said to Judge Floyd's case is, if that were to happen in Nigeria or anywhere in Africa, there's no way that beautiful, tall powerful, intelligent man will be on the concrete. There's no way that he would have surrendered to the racist police system. There's no way he would have done that. That's true. Because, You're right. Was because he wouldn't be in that mindset. They wouldn't right. even get to handcuff him. And while right. they handcuff him, he would have fought till the death, which is what wound up happening anyway. But his mm-hmm. psychological oppression of our people is unbelievable. Tendering a counterfeit $20. If I did that in any country in Africa, they just mm-hmm. give me my money back. How, how are you? Are you? Are you the bank? Are you the? Do you? Are you the? the uh, what is it called? The company or government agency that prints money? The, right, the, the mint. Central bank. How do you know that the twenty dollars I give you is is fake to the point where God? So that I'm just getting into all of that to say that the system that segregate education, housing, healthcare. I mean, Gloria, that's where we are. That's where we need to fight to dismantle, that mm-hmm. we separate our children into different schools and we relegate people to certain neighborhoods and, and zip codes so that you can poison their water, you can poison their health care, you can deny them of their God's given rights to reach their potential. That's where mm-hmm. we're starting. That's where we are now. 21st century, we're still talking about this. Yeah, but you know what, Bilky? I hear you and I hear you and I totally agree with where what what their intention is. There's always that statement, they meant it for evil, but we meant it for good. Look at Mary McLeod Bethune. Mary McLeod Bethune, who didn't have an education, who, whose mother was a slave, who started Bethune-Cookman College, who built Bethune-Cookman College by selling, <clears throat> selling sweet potato pies, and who used to sit out under the trees and teach kids how to read. Now, we don't need to go that far backwards. But segregation to me is maybe not the worst thing that can happen to black people if black people take their time to make the quality set, the quality of their environment positive and empowering mm-hmm. because our educational system in America is bankrupt anyway. These kids are so far behind the rest of the world. What we need to be doing is borrowing from people like your farm schools in Nigeria, which are superior, and you know that. The schools in Ghana are superior, and you know that. We can even borrow from the schools in Great Britain, the schools in Japan, and teach our kids better than what we're getting here, and do it because we would have all of our kids under control of black teachers who, if they're really good teachers, will make sure that they get everything they need to know from the white standpoint and their own personal history, which is what my teachers did. Right. Our education in Oklahoma is so superior even to this day, to what people are getting nationally, it's not even funny. Right. So, and the thing is that what we did was we chose to not use their standard as our standard. The whole meaning of the talented 10th, which is was started by W.B. Du Bois, was that we were 10 times superior and we needed to be educated on that level. And that's how our teachers taught us. 
Right, a discount uh, inferior. I don't. I don't really even think it's a matter of superiority or inferiority. It's well, a matter of race. <laughs> and, and let me read. And to that, I'd like to read a passage from uh, this book that uh, Oprah's uh, book club pick, Cast: yeah. The Origins of uh, Discontent by Isabel Wilkerson. I mean, mm-hmm. she argues that it's not uh, the, the race. Race as a construct is not really the issue. She called it caste. So let me read from the passage. She says that in the American caste system, the signal of rank is what we call race, the division of humans on the basis of their appearance. In America, race is the primary tool and the visible decoy, the front man for caste. And she says further, what people look like, or rather the race they have been assigned or are perceived to belong to, is the visible cue to their caste. It is the historical flashcard to the public of how they are to be treated, where they're expected to live, what kinds of position they're expected to hold, whether they belong in this section of town or that seat in a boardroom, whether they should be expected to speak with authority on this or that subject, whether they will be administered pain relief in a hospital, whether their neighborhood is likely to adjoin a toxic waste site, or to have contaminated water flowing from their taps, whether they are more or less likely to survive childbirth in the most advanced nation in the world, whether they may be shot by authorities with impunity. How profound. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. That's there we still are. And you and I at these, at these age, right? You know, I'm dating both of us. <laughs> but, but but speaking to what you know, uh, Isabel just said in this book. Can you can you speak to that? What I just read. Uh, like I said, um, I understand. You know, I I, re- I was working one time with an, a company in New York, and I was the head of minority business development, and I was meeting with some of the people. This was a major construction company. Um, Larry McGovern Bovis, and they were doing some construction downtown New York. And some of the people that were there, most of them were Caucasian. And we were supposed to be building uh, or recruiting African-Americans, you know, to to be a part of the contract. And so this guy asked me, what happens when it's a maroon or an octoroon? And I looked at him and I said, I'm beg your pardon, could you repeat that? Because I couldn't believe that this ignorant white boy, I was gonna say something else, has the audacity to even say something like this. What happens if the person is a maroon or an octoroon? I said, Well, first of all, what do you consider that to be? And he tried to give me a breakdown of what that was racially in terms of black people and what that meant and everything. And I finally said, you know what? The only thing I know about black people is that we're all black. percent of, of black blood makes you black, period. Those constructs that you just mentioned to me have to do with your own prejudice. Imagination warped. <laughs> yeah. Prejudice. And I said, so therefore, that's not a consideration for us. We're not looking at skin color. I know a black person when I see one. And I don't care how light he is or how dark he is or she. 1% of black blood makes you black. Therefore, my only concern is to make sure that they have the skill sets that we need to make this happen. Right. Now, we know that everything that they can possibly do, everything that they can possibly throw at us, everything that they can possibly invade to make it seem as though we are inferior. They've been doing it for 400 years, Bookie. They have intensified it under this particular incumbent miscreant. And they're actually thinking that now they have an open gateway to that. As far as I'm concerned, you nobody can oppress you without your permission. It's not what they call you. It's what you you answer to. And it's whether you are reactive or proactive that makes the difference. And my problem with most black people is that they're reactive. Where I come from, we're proactive. I like to say that because I'm always bragging about Oklahoma, even though I know we've got some Negroes and we've got some rednecks in Oklahoma that make it look really, really bad for the most part. 
we've been doing pretty good, okay, in terms of how we managed to not have that madness be what kept us from raising our kids to get and be and do what they needed to be right. because the mindset is what it is. It's what you got on the inside. Carter G. Woodson made a big dadgum difference for us and always has, always will. I taught my kids by his teachings. We can do that. We can adapt. If we can watch this madness on TV, I've watched people do chapter and verse, some of the garbage that I see on television. Y'all can do that. You can turn right around and teach your kids something intelligent. That's it. I, I, I understand what she's saying, and it's profound and it's painful, but we could, we could magnify all this horrible stuff that white people do, or we can turn around and counterattack that crap and get our kids on point and get them moving forward. That's what I've been doing. Well, and, and, I, and, I, and I understand, and I, and I know, of course. And I, I raised three beauties. I got five grandkids, and they will all tell you, Mama, don't play that. <laughs> I, I know, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, you, you're t we're talking about collective, right? You can't. But, that's what, but if we don't start, look, Bookie Shonaga, you and I know that if you and I don't start right where we are, like Booker T. Washington and said, we, and we have been doing that, and we're you. still doing that. Thank you. Exactly. Well, we're still doing that, and, and you know, and it is, it is. Um, Again, you can't teach what you don't, what you don't know. Oh yes, you can because you know what you can do. You can start learning. Right, which, well, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, come on, girl, look. We are miraculous people. You look at us. It's true. Look at us. I mean, us individually, but us as a people, we are miraculous people. What, have, what in the hell have we not been through? That's right. And we're still here. How dare we talk about what they do and don't do it? When, and when we got the power and the resilience and the creativity, everything we got, they want. They just don't want us. And as far as I'm concerned, they can't have me anyway. Here's our problem is that we still on the mass collective level. Our critical mass is still resonating to their crap. Let me, let me, let me actually bring something to this conversation that I, it's amazing. Someone floated an idea during this COVID lockdown and says that, if black people for one day stop buying, you know, hair extensions and we, we were bankrupt. You damn right. The Koreans will go crazy. <laughs> we were bankrupt a, a, a good percentage of China's economy. Oh yeah. Just, sure. just an example. That sure. we all buy hair. We, we all, let's say we all just were declaring we all going natural. Yeah. But you know what? Who's already natural? Like we are. <laughs> I've been natural since right. 1965. And, and, I, and I joined you, you know, like a few mm -hmm. years ago. So, but that's just, you know, that's just a symbolic example. Maybe not just symbolic, really. That if we do that. Reality. So they were talking about consolidating our own funds to do our own business. To, that's one place. But we continue to patronize, uh, you know, other businesses and other economy, but we don't put our own money in our own community. And I, I, I don't really believe in separate but equal, to be honest with you. I believe in equity. There must, we are on the, this, this world is not about white or black. Again, it's a construct. And that's why for, for European American or people of European descent in general, well, everyone originated from Africa, if we want to go that far back. But if mm -hmm. we're talking about these skin pigmentation that's being devised as a construct to, 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 uh, to divide and, and spew evil all over, all over the world. If we talk mm -hmm. about that, mm -hmm. we, we, can, we can do a lot on our own, but again, we're not talking about color separation or color and so on. We're talking about equity. I want to get back to before I lost my thought. Yeah. We want to get back to equity in this world that we're on this planet together. If, take, it for, take for example, a company like Amazon, any of these companies that, that amass so much wealth, they get their money from consumption, right? Someone buying stocks or someone buying their commodities, right? That's how they amass this mass wealth. Mm -hmm. Right. So where do we come into that equation? It's not about color. It's about paying your share, your fair share. About, not about you know, the, the fraudulent system that mm -hmm. they complain about other developing countries. The same fraud that they, they perpetrate is how this guy... Got wind up at the White House. Yep. Yeah, taxes, mm -hmm. inflating its worth, and all of that. So I'm saying that 
speaking truth to power, investing in our school system, in our housing system, collectively, is what is how we're gonna get out of this mess. We're not looking for them to give us money, Gloria. We oh, I'm looking for them to give me my projects. They, they owe us money. It's not like they owe us all money, and I want my projects in the mule now. I want and I want it in real time, though. It's I want an obligation. It is an obligation that they owe till today. The education system, the housing system, the LKS system, you name it, the environmental system. It is an obligation that they owe. So the fight now begins at how do we create equity across the board for our children from the day they are born. That's the fight that I am willing to join that battle right this day since George Floyd's massacre, in my view, and many others, resets this country. It's, it, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not a new beginning for me. It's a new dawn. We are here now. Mm -hmm. We are That's here true. now to say this is what we want, to be at the table before the table is set. That's right. Exactly. And this not to be asking. Exactly. But the other thing, too, is just so you'll know, I, I, I really want to make sure that I get, put my little two cents worth in. Sure. I want the money that they owed me compounded semi-annually from 18, from 16, 19, all the way up to today. Uh, and I want it tax-free. They can put it in a triple tax-free in, uh, interest-bearing account for me. Okay. And I think that everybody that, that had a relative that was here during slavery are those who, whose relatives were stolen right. and brought here are due. Right. I okay. Agree. And so therefore, and then if they want to build institutions, fine. But otherwise, then we got the money to do the building ourselves and probably do a better job with better quality and better cultural understanding and significance than anything that they would do anyway. Because I've seen their work, and if it wasn't for us, it would be all crap. <laughs> we built this dadgum country. It looks as good as it looks because we did the work. That's right. Okay? I, but I, don't, think, I don't want them to ever forget that the, a lot of the rhythm and a lot of the color and a lot of the soul and everything else that they got going here was because of us. Because what they had, what they had to show for what they knew was just junk. That's why they ran away from England to get over here. And then they got over here and figured out they didn't know what they were doing. So they had to bring us in to get the job done. So right. now we need to get paid. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And what we're talking about, past payment that's owed, mm. date, we're also talking about putting a deposit on the education of our children right now. The housing, there must be equity again in housing and health and education because that's how these young people will become you know, live, the, live up to their potential, their God's giving potential by making sure that there's equity investment in their education, right? Yeah, but also when you say education, Bookie, let's also understand that education is, is as much um, integrity as it is formal. Right. We have to teach our kids integrity. We have to teach them some other things that do not exist in this country. Well, we do. We do. Yes. Because we because we got that from our parents and we passed mm -hmm. it on. We exactly. and, and it takes Gloria, you can attest to this. It takes so much spiritual, mental, physical battle to exactly. hold on to that to pass it on. Exactly. But this system, as you can know, will shake you to the core. That exactly. if you're not a strong parent, you'll fall through the cracks, right? Exactly. You don't get to pass that on to your parent. We're still standing because we are blessed, you know, to hold mm -hmm. on to that tie that I'm holding on to this culture, to this heritage, because mm -hmm. that is where the truth lies. And that is the legacy I want to pass on to my children. A lot of parents are not able to do this because of how many hours they work a day just to take care of their kids, right? They're not able to, they don't have the luxury. So I'm, I'm saying that it's not that they don't want to. No, no, no. And also, thanks to this idiot, they don't have jobs anymore. Thanks right? to this idiot. Oh. Who, who now has cut off their unemployment, who now is trying to diminish what they're getting even, who's got this other idiot from Kentucky talking about we may be giving people more than they deserve. Well, people did not deserve to die. They did not deserve to be ill. They did not deserve and don't deserve to lose their home. And they certainly don't deserve to be lied to or disregarded. Right. So this is where we are. So I, I know exactly what you mean. These people want to do the best for their kids just like anybody else. Right. 
But listen, talk about going back to work. So I live in I live in Harlem. I live in I live in New York City, right? We're part of Harlem, you and now. Wait, Where? I'm not gonna tell you what part of Harlem. I don't know your address. I said what part. Everybody can show up on my door. Well, people, you know, that's a people. I did not ask your address. I said what people part. People can find you anyway. That's not even uh-huh. people can find you. But 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 the point I was trying to make, uh, uh, Gloria, when we were finally able to venture out during this lockdown, because what we were doing early on, we would walk to whatever store is open to buy to buy groceries. Mm-hmm. We walk. I mean, my son and I walk twenty five blocks, thirty blocks. We walked to Ooh. 72nd Street from here, almost 70-something blocks. I used to do that, yeah. But, but, but mind you, this is what, I, what I'm getting at. So when we finally were able to venture out, we walked over to 125th Street on the Long Island, Long Island Railroad, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing, you know, there was no one on that. Nobody was riding it because all the white folks that are coming from up north, right? Upstate, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't come into Manhattan. So they didn't, mm-hmm. the trains were empty. So when we get into Manhattan, 42nd Street, uh, 14th Street area, you go mm-hmm. to Madison Avenue, Fifth Avenue, uh, uh, you know, First Avenue, United Nations, you know, vicinity, all the way Madison uptown to the, in the, the like around 90 something street. Mm-hmm. All those white owned businesses are shut down. White people mm-hmm. have fled the town. They are yeah. not here. So when this moron and, he, and, and his loyalists were talking about, you know, t- taking the $600 in additional benefit, the unemployment benefit. I'm saying you're asking people to get back to work. We live in the city. I've walked so many parameters of this city miles. Mm-hmm. No businesses are open. What job are they going back to? Yes. They just exactly. are owned by white people. They have fled. They can do their own work virtually. Most of the people that work in those mega building, buildings, okay. those high rises, most of them that own the business, yeah, not only are they white, but they're not here. Most mm-hmm. of the employees are, People of color. Right. Right? Whether it's their janitors, the person that cleaned their, you know, the, the building or the receptionist, any low-level job are done by people of color. So what job are they going back to when the owners of those jobs are not in? They, they left. Exactly. I, I'm walking the street. We're taking pictures. So we know there's nothing in Manhattan. The hotel, you know, of course, the hotel business is totally gone. When you talk about United Nations, the, uh, you know, CSW didn't happen this year. You know, Commission on the Status of Women, right? Right. I so know. all those, that, those are the gigs that bring businesses to, to this country. Foreign students, 20% conservative figure, 20% mm-hmm. of you know, student bodies in private schools in Manhattan are foreign students. Exactly. They're not here. Well, you heard that idiot say that if the, if the foreign students were not in college, that they had to go back to their country. Right. So, but that's hurting the economy. That's hurting. So, look, what jobs? Bookie, you know the man don't care, right? right. You know, because he got he's sitting on all the money that he has stolen from everybody. That's right. Now, now he's gonna pay his own taxes. I mean, seriously, no, they, let, they let him in. They gave him the daggum red carpet. They turned their back. They sat on their hands. They, they grumbled under their breath, and they did not do their job. And look what we have now. We have Leviathan. And now we got to figure out how to pray the devil back to hell. And, he, and he's talking about uh, election beast. Who stole the election? Hillary Clinton won 3 million votes, popular vote, more than Donald Trump. That electoral college is it, it's what needs to be dealt with. That electoral college with the gerrymandering and how they arrive at the electoral college, that's what America needs to take a serious look at. Because when you want popular vote by 3 million people and you are not president, that is still in the election. Exactly. You're still going to talk about this whole election when he's still in the election is how he got to the White House. Oh, you know. That is called misdirection and projection. It's an age-old trick that goes back to Machiavelli back in Italy right. where the person who was doing the, the, who, the evil person would point at you and say that you were the one who was doing the evil even though it was really him and the dumb ones would look at you while he was still getting away with what he was doing. Right. The thing about it is without a proper education and without knowing some of these classic things, People are dumb as a box of rocks. They don't even know what they're looking at. Gloria, it has been such a pleasure, you know, dialoguing with you. Always. It's a really wonderful one. And I definitely would love to to have you back uh, in the near future. So this has been Gloria. uh, I mean, this is the truth and reconciliation with Bukit Shonaga. My guest has been my gracious friend, Gloria Delang Wilson. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bukit, love you much. Okay. Bye-bye. Same here. Be blessed. Bye-bye.